Welcome back, everybody, to the Fall In Podcast. We had so much fun talking with uh, Daryl Palmer that uh, he, he had so many stories that he wanted to tell even after the fact. We figured we'd go ahead and kick off the recording again. Of course, you want to have a little bit more background information about uh, Mr. Palmer. You just uh, check out part one and, uh, you know, give that a listen. A lot of uh, background information about, you know, kind of his uh, some of his service and things. I'm sure we're going to hear a lot more. Um, have at it, guys. Let's get started again. <laughs> Well, we never really, I mean, we just kind of stopped here, <laughs> just going on and on, but, uh, just, just a ton of stories and, and they, they go back for, I mean, for quite a ways. And so as you sit here and you start thinking about them and you say, man, like which ones are even worthy of mentioning on the air? So, I mean. Introduce yourself for us. Cause I mean, I don't know if, if you haven't watched part one, you might not know who's talking this. Alfonso Nixon. If there's anybody out there that don't know my voice by now, that don't know who Big Al is, well, let me tell you a little bit about Big Al. (laughs) So I'm about the most charming, most uh, diabolical, most vindictive, most sincere, most two-faced, backstabbing some bitch you ever going to come across. (laughs) There's about 53 of us in here, and they're all fighting for mic time, so... (laughs) You, know, you never know which one's going to get the push to talk, and, and that's about Big Al. Ah, I, th- I think that describes you very well. Uh, of course, uh, we've yeah. been talking to Daryl Palmer, and I know uh, Chad Hostetter well, is also in the in the, in the uh, round of fire with us. That, ain't, that ain't Chad Hostetter over there. That's, that's Big Baby. If we big Baby. Campfire, big Baby. Big Baby. That's right. Big Baby. Now this is a uh, this is Daryl Palmer. I just finished the last podcast, and then yeah, I mean we got to talking afterwards, and and there was just so many stories being thrown around, and you know Brian was like, man, we just might as well go ahead and fire off with part two. Um, but uh, you know we were some of the stories are are, are uh, like Al said, you know you got uh, a whole lot of uh, experience uh, in the army. Yeah, Daryl. So let me let me let me grab this. There you go. Horns. You were. Uh... I mean, you know, Daryl's a saw major, guys, and, and for those of you who don't know, that is he's an E9. I mean, he's the boss. So their perspective is a little bit different. But I want to bring you on back to when you was a first sergeant because that, that's the coolest time. So, nothing against saw majors, but just, you know, we ain't doing that tonight. So, Amen, Amen. So, so listen to this right here, Brian. So, so we do motor stables. Uh, and that's when you take everybody and you go down to the motor pool. Generally, it's going to be on a Tuesday morning. And you're going to go out there and you're going to PMCS all of the trucks. You're going to open up the hood, check all of the lights and the little fluid levels and stuff. It just wastes most of your Army day. And we're going to do that on Tuesdays. And then Thursdays, we even got a bigger way to waste time. But we'll get into that later. We're, we're going to be stuck on Tuesday. So, oh, Dragon 7 here. And that affectionately is what we're going to be calling Daryl because he was uh, Dragon 7 at the particular time. He, his people have to come to the motor pool, and they got to be there Tuesday morning. Uh, and, and we just happen to be coming off of a four-day weekend because you get one of them every 30 days if you want to if you want one of them big fighting units. You know, it's amazing how you already know where to conversate, what conversation it, uh, that he's talking about <clears throat> or what topic he's talking about. Go ahead, Al. <laughs> yeah, so so this Daryl's guys understanding that they're coming to the motor pool on Tuesday and they're gonna be 
down there, you know, in and around trucks and stuff and, you know, climbing up and down. They, a couple of these dudes just decided, you know, because I've done this myself, but they decided, you know, and this was back when we wore black boots, okay? Boots. Not not the new brown boots where you just kind of like, you know, put them, just lace them up and roll. With the black boots, it's a whole different level of preparation with those things because especially in the 101st, it, it is what it is. People people judge you. First, they look down at your feet. That's I swear to God. They look <laughs> at your feet first, and then they're going to go straight up to your headgear, and they're going to say is because – a badass wears a hat a certain way, and a dumbass wears a hat a certain way. Can I get an amen? Amen. <laughs> so, so Daryl's guys decide they're not going to shine their freaking boots, and then next thing you know, they come out there to formation, and and old Daryl, he spent the whole weekend with the wife and kids, and uh, <laughs> not his wife, not his kids. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, and I'm just joking on that, but uh. He, he he comes out here and he sees these guys with the unshined boots and and Brian, it, it causes him to to go into it. He just he starts convulsing and loses them and he puts them in formation and he goes through and scuffs everybody in formation's boots. Hold it, hold it, hold it, Brian. Now, now let me give you the real story. All and right, that's pretty damn close. So, yeah, Al, Al's exactly right. I, I'm standing in formation. We just came off of a four-day weekend. We'd just gotten back from the field, and we were packing our stuff up that Friday before or that Thursday before and uh, packing all of our stuff back up in the mill vans um, for storing it. And, uh, you know, it was all muddy and everything, so the guys are getting dirty as hell. Who cares? It's Friday. We're going, going home on a long weekend. Show up Tuesday morning at Motor, at motor Stables. And um, I'm standing there in formation. I'm standing up in front of the formation. I'm a first sergeant. And uh, I'm, you know, I want to, I always want told my guys, I said, listen, man, as long as you're doing the right thing, I'm there. You're never going to have to worry about me. It's when you're doing something wrong that you're going to have to worry about me. Um, so I, I'm standing there in formation. I'm making jokes, you know, and I'm, I'm everybody's standing out there. They were not funny, by the way. <laughs> even though, even well, though I wasn't. That's a little mean-spirited, Big Al. No, I guess not everybody can be as funny as you. Hell, I'm going to be honest. I mean, damn. All right, he's, I'll be quiet. He's still my formations every now and then, so he, he knows how funny I am. But I'm sitting up there. We're having a good time, just cracking jokes. I'm busting people's chops here and there. Like, okay. And I actually, I'm a, I was always the guy that first started to raise a hand and say, okay. I'd raise my hand and say, all right, how many people out there have not um, – had someone, um, or how, how did I say it all the time? I said, how many people out there uh, did I not hear about this weekend that I'm going to hear about by, before noon? In other words, um, getting the phone call. So, uh, you know, we're just talking it up and, and enjoying ourselves. And I look, and all of a sudden, three in the third rank back there, I'm like, I look down, and I, I see these boots covered in mud. And I stop, because I'm laughing and joking, and all of a sudden, my face goes to dead serious. He's just he's looking for a reason anyway. I'm just saying this side <laughs> the game. So I walk back there and I walk up to this Joe and I look at his boots. And I'm standing right, I mean right in front of him, face to face, six inches from him. And I look down at his boots and I look back up at him and I say, You have got to be kidding me. Wait. Yeah. Wait. You got to be kidding me. <laughs> 
knows that. That's exactly you, how you've I said. You've got to be kidding me. You have got so, to like, be kidding me. So like mid joke, you just was like, you've got to be kidding me. And and that was my thing. That was my thing. I had a stamp. That's made. like me with hundred percent, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. That's Brian, I, had a, I kid you not. I had a stamp made. One of those rubber stamp things you go chunk on a piece of paper, you know, like you like a signature block. I had one made that said, "You gotta be kidding me." And I stamp people. I just, when they bring me different forms and stuff, memorandums or uh, NCOERs or awards, and it's just jacked up three ways a Sunday. I'm I'd be like, I stamp it and send it back. So here it's you go. Cool. You can't even just let the man's stuff go through. You just want to use the stamp. Go ahead. <laughs> now I love I that. This, I do. I look at this Jodo back to formation. I'm looking at him. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. You had four days. And the last thing I was thinking about was shining my damn boots. I mean, exactly. seriously. And you couldn't figure out how to take five minutes to wash the mud off your boots and buff them some bitches out. You had to think, I'm going to come to motor pool and it's going to be all right. And I look at him. I look around at everybody else. I said, look at this. Why are you the only one here that decided to do it this way? I look at him. I grab him by the shoulder. I grab him. I put my hand on his shoulder, and I say, you know what? Fuck it. And I just, I, I kicked the shit out of his I'm boots. Knocked all, the, knocked all the mud off. I knocked a bunch of mud off his boots. And I said, you know what? Fuck it. I walked up to the front of the damn formation after I kicked his boots. And said, and mine were spit shine. You can see freaking re- damn good reflection in mine. And I grabbed my, I took my boots and I said, you know what? Fuck it again. And I kicked the shit out of my boots and said, fuck it. They don't let, nobody needs to have shine boots. And that was it. I left it at that. It wasn't an hour later, I get a phone call from the Sergeant Major. First Sergeant, I'm seeing him in my office. All right, Roger, Sergeant Major. I jumped in my truck, went up there and saw him. He walked, I walked in his office. He said, you kick a soldier's boots today? I said, Roger, that's our major. I sure did. He said, I got a call from IG. Now, mind you, anybody out there that's listening to this, that's been in the military, you know what IG is. Those of you that have never been in the military, IG is Inspector General. That's the place that people go when they need to, uh, how, what's the best way to say it out? When they need a voice that will speak for them. It's uh, like human resources, kind of? Like human resources at a company, kind of? Yeah, basically, imagine hey, that. Look, look, let me, let me say this. Hold let on now. Just... Hold on. Wait a second. One more thing. So, essentially, that's where you go when you, wanna, when you want to, when you don't think that what you're going to say to the command is going to go anywhere. So, they went to IG. He just, Sergeant Major told me, said, yeah, I just got a call from IG. said, you, uh, you kicked the soldier's boots in the motor pool. I said, absolutely, Sergeant Major. I damn sure did. And then now, when you get an IG complaint, that's a straight up official complaint. No, I gotta interrupt. I gotta interrupt. Listen. No, bro. no, hold on. I'm almost done. So when you get you are too. I, but I had the floor, Sarge. I'm lo- I'm loving what he's talking about, Big Al. Let's let him keep talking. Yeah. Here's the thing. I'm almost done. He's gonna get us canceled, man. He's gonna get us canceled. I think we're already canceled. I think, and I told the Sergeant Major. I said, "Damn right, Sergeant Major. I sure did." He, he gave me the he gave me the IG complaint and I read it. I said, "Yep, everybody that shit happened." But what he didn't tell you is uh, the the actual third part of it, which is there's a he said, she said, and then there's a truth. It's always in the middle. I said, "Damn right, I kicked his boots." And uh, when you um, when you answer a IG complaint, 
the commander's got to be the one to answer it. Well, I'm not going to make my commander write the damn IG the response. I went back, wrote it, and told him exactly what I did, admitted to it, and I actually got a response back from that saying that I assaulted a soldier by placing my hands on them inappropriately and kicking their boots. But you know, that happened uh, uh, after a four-day weekend. And uh, that was in 2000 and, oh, what was that, 2006? Don't be asking me, man. You're the one telling the story. That was 2005. (laughs) That was 2005. But you know what? After that right there, for some reason, I never had a soldier come to formation with his boots dirty again. See, that's kind of confusing to me, though, because, like, you're talking about, you know, usually in boot camp, you always hear that, yeah, the drill sergeant can put your hands on you. They can beat your, you know, beat your ass. Who told you that? I mean, that's just kind of what, you know, well, the, the, well, the civ- civilians kind of see it as. Well, yeah. well, let's let's talk here and let you represent the civilians here, and then you you tell me what your perception is of actually putting your hands well, on. Well, that's what I'm saying. His story kind of like that. That's un, we don't. I don't. I would never think there's a human resources in the Army. You know, kind of like that. Oh, no. It's way worse than that. He said Boy. that. I didn't say that. Ooh. It's the IG, and he. Going on freaking voice tonight talking about this story, and I'm like, man, you don't want to tell no stories involving the IG. I don't. don't <laughs> what they like the IRS? Hear. They gonna hear it. The worst in the IRS, man. <laughs> Especially all of them, those people who work those jobs, and I love those people, by the way. Daryl obviously hates them. You know, yeah, they. You know, most of those people have ever got to go to out to. To the places that we went, you know what I mean. They kind of got to stay back at home and, and chill, and then Daryl's attacking. Oh, them. I just name, don't understand. Your name's in the same damn database as mine at the IG office, brother. Trust me. I ain't had no IG complaints against me. Yeah. My, my soldiers loved me. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> loves Big Al. Oh, Daryl's soldiers Big even Al. loved you. Yeah, I know, right? I'll never forget, Brian. Al Al's a guy that likes to push buttons. If you ain't meant, if you if you don't know Al well enough, give it time. You will figure out. Al likes to push buttons. Al comes over to me one day. I'm a first sergeant at the AVM, which is the big company, and Al's got himself a Delta company over, a maintenance company over in the battalion. Al comes over to me, and he was sitting there just kind of shooting the shit. And um, Al's like, "Hey, first sergeant, you know your soldiers don't like you very much." I, just telling you the truth. <laughs> I Al always wants to tell you the truth, but it's always a hot button issue when people tell you that you know your soldiers don't like you. I, th- I always think my soldiers like me, at least the ones that never got in trouble. Um, but Al will, Al will easily push a button. But here's the thing: it's always in an effort to get you to open up. I'll give you that. Ooh. Al, that's one damn thing for sure. I I truly believe that. My bullshit you now, brother. I love you. I love you like a brother. And that's the one thing for sure. Al may push buttons, but Al will do it in such a way to help you open up. So he made me realize, and this is the truth, Al. Al made me realize maybe I was being a little bit too much of an ass all the time. And and this is this is this is more of the serious side. I realized that I was getting carried away as a first sergeant because when you're the first sergeant, Brian, you're you are. Pretty much, you, you you are the end-all, be-all of what happens on a day-to-day basis in your company. And um, I realized shortly after that that Al was probably 
helping me out and made me realize that I was a little too off the chain. And I had to reel myself back in and, uh, and look at myself from the outside as opposed to just being the first arc. And, and honestly, Al, that's, that's the damn truth too, bud. Uh, I actually, I actually took that shit to heart and said, maybe I'm being a little bit too much of an ass and, and, and looked at myself and said, I need to change the way I'm doing things. And I truly did too. But if the time ever came that I needed to be the ass again, trust me, I had no problem pulling that, that, that friggin' uh, RDP out, Bubba. Yeah. And everybody knew that. I mean, we were all very well impressed with how, quickly you could be an ass <laughs> <laughs> well i mean even, just like even, uh, even chad as a matter of fact chad tell the tell, hey look chad tell the story <laughs> i need you to tell that story chad i don't even remember how it started but it was late one evening and of course both these both these guys were first sergeants and and I'm hanging out with mine because his policy was, well, if the first sergeant's at work, guess where everybody else should be? <laughs> well, everybody else was gone. <laughs> but it was just me and Al. And we had just got through, I mean, it was it was one of those personal counseling sessions that, you know, only Desperado 7 could deliver. <laughs> and uh, Desperado race, 7, what's that? Uh, that was... That was Big Al's uh, handle back in the day. Oh, okay. As, you know, um, they can tell you more about that than I can. I only played a first song. Um, yeah, it's ain't Hollywood, cowboy. That's why I said played. I didn't act. Uh, the uh, the phone rings and it's Daryl, and I mean I was just on a roll and I am talking so much shit. And the next thing I know, dude's screaming. You tell that tater head, I'll be there in about two minutes. I'm like, you tell his ass, he's on a timer. <laughs> and it wasn't, y'all cooking eggs? It, wasn't, it wasn't too short of two minutes. And then First Arm Palmer was standing in First Arm Nixon's office, and Staff Sergeant Hostetter was shaking like a dog trying to pass a peach pit, going, okay, what do I do? Because I had known these guys for years. You know, I, they were always senior uh, NCOs, you know, as I was coming up. <laughs> And I knew their reputations. And, of course, you know, serving with Al as my first sergeant, I mean, I, I knew I knew who RDP was. You know, there was no question of that. And I knew there was going to be a tater head dropped, and I knew that if somebody was, you know, <laughs> somebody was going to get skinned up when those two were around. Well, I happened to be the only one around. Who oh, was no. I don't, Al, because, Brian, what you don't, what he's not telling you is that Al was on the phone pushing uh, fucking buttons with yeah. me. <clears throat> About what, Al, was that about one of the Joes I sent you or something? Because fucking Chad was up there, you know, uh, being big baby about one of the Joes I sent you? Oh, I mean, I, no, which, all the which, which one? I mean, I mean, you, <laughs> wow, I've never had so many turds. It was I, just. I remember walking in the office, and there, there's Chad standing there with the first heart with, at Al's desk and shit, and I'm like, what in the you know, yeah, what the hell? <laughs> so I guess here's the thing. Let's I guess let's let's let everybody in on that secret. We were getting ready to deploy and you know, we were on our way to Afghanistan and they were splitting us up in the task force. So every it's it's kinda like the, the, the ultimate hearts game. You know what I mean? But this one is pass to the left. 
So that's what everybody's doing. Everybody's looking at their cards, and they got to know they got to they're gonna screw somebody, or they're gonna make somebody a hero. Okay, so ain't nobody trying to make nobody a hero. So everybody's getting screwed. So they're passing to the left, and and that's how we end up in this situation because Daryl gave me <clears throat> the best cards. I I mean that he. Wow. I mean, ten second context. When he says passing the cards, I was the largest uh, bata- company in a battalion and I had we were creating task forces. So I had to give personnel to all these different uh, maintenance, maintenance, maintenance companies out there for them to be able to beef up their numbers and be able to support their mission. Well, I, I, I'm not going to give my I'm not going to give my heroes. And in a lot of cases, they consider them to be zeros, the ones they got. So what? who cars, would say that? No, I love these guys. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> so there's the context between passing cards. <clears throat> oh, Lord. Yeah, I thought y'all was talking about poker. I didn't know what y'all was talking about. Or, or uh, y'all were talking, talking about, about Yu-Gi-Oh or something. <laughs> no, we're talking about personnel. And, and I don't know I don't know how many people you passed to me. Um and, and some of those guys were, were 100%ers, 100%. And some of those guys, you know, they're, you know, you you know which guys are your are your heavy hitters. <laughs> and you which, know. And yeah. you know which ones you want to get rid of. And, you know, and, and at, at some point, your your hands are tied and you ain't got a choice. I'm trying I mean, to be nice. Know. but It's just, I, it's only, I cannot circumnavigate this big pile of poop that you put on <laughs> yes. my front step. I think the term was anchors and oars, and you know the the goal was everybody had a had an equal amount or plus one oar than they did anchor. Well, you know, yeah, we got a whole lot of anchors. But look, we gave, we we gave out some that metaphor too, like uh, you know anchors, like they're sinking you, kind of sinking you. That's exactly what we're talking about. Sinking or slowing down. Yeah, I mean it is what it is. We, look, we're going to be the most direct indirect people you're ever going to meet. I mean, we're going to be talking about things that people are going to be like, I think I got it, but you really don't. But yeah, Daryl just, I mean, it's like he cleaned, it's like, I love him, but he cleaned his stables and they dumped (laughs) all of the excrements on my front doorstep. How big, how big was Bravo company at the time, Daryl? We had 360 Joes when I went, well, MTO, excuse me, MTO, I think it was 360, call it 360. And, um, and I was a little heavy, so I think I had about 380. Uh, and so that's why I would, when, when they started, you know, pulling Joes from me, they were like, you know, Sergeant Major kept beating me up, <clears throat> saying, you got to get, you got to make it hurt. You got to make it hurt. Like, Sergeant Major, goddamn, you want me to feel, you still want me to make my mission? Roger that, Sergeant Major, I'll, I'll go make it hurt again. And, you know, my, and there I, my commander beat my, beat my ass in the background back there. <clears throat> like, why are you giving these guys up? Like, shit, sir. We got to give somebody up. So that's and way to go. put that in context. You know, how big was a normal Delta company? Al? I'm sitting under a hundred right at between 92 and a hundred. And, and you multiply that, you know, times, times four battalions, you know, he, I think when we left, we were at 130, 132. Okay. Sounds good. And you, you multiply that, you know, four battalions worth. He gave up a hundred and 130 people. You know, 
2,530 yeah, people. people. So, you know, you're going to get what you're going to get. And I'm not, and I'm just. And those were the worst in his company that he was giving to y'all? No, no, gosh, no. Listen, here's the thing. Not the worst? I'm giving Daryl a hard time. The reality, Please. because we know each other, I'm joking, but the sincerity of that is. It doesn't really matter as long as these people meet the standard, period. The rest of it will take care of itself. We're go- I mean, we're going to war. I ain't going to Disneyland. You know what I mean? It's not like, I mean, we're going to figure it out. Because in order for me to get 75% of the people that he sent me on a plane to go to war, I mean, even with the those that I had, that was still going to be a, 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 a struggle. So yeah, I don't I don't care. I just need bodies at that point, and the ones that don't go, they just don't they don't count against my aggregate. So yeah, hey Brian, I got I got something for you because you were talking about it before when we were off after we finished the last podcast. You know, and, and Al even mentioned it. You know, uh, something to the effect of uh, you know, th- th- it's not like it was in the movies. Um, you know, you were like, and you and you actually made a good point too. It's like, listen, that's all a civilian really has to relate to is what we see in those movies. Um, yeah, exactly. I mean, we we don't we don't know a whole lot about what actually is going down. We just have what the what the you know production company or studio is putting out. You know, and, and they have I think they have experts that kind of you know talk with those movie producers and stuff like that. But I'm sure it's not absolutely. accurate. Look. One of the most well, here's the thing. I read I watched the uh, 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 documentary on Arlie Ermy. Remember who he was? Yeah. Oh yeah, Mail Call. I used to watch that all the time. No. Oh, I'm, I'm thinking of the wrong guy. I'm sorry. Same guy, right this guy. wrong context. You know oh, what I'm talking about, though? Arlie Ermey started out as a military, ad, or excuse me, a, a military advisor mm-hmm. on Full Metal Jacket. But, um, I heard this story. Yeah, 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 go ahead. Yeah, okay, you've heard this before? Yeah, yeah I've heard this because yeah, yeah. it's like, yeah, he went on to the uh, the, the movie, you know, as a, as a person that was advising them and then actually exactly. got the role. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and he so never went to Vietnam. Oh, no, he did too. Yes, but I mean, did. like, what I had heard, the guy that they had casted before in that uh, thing could not keep yelling for 30 minutes or something like that. And, and he just, he could keep going and going and going. That's that why he got the role. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I so, didn't know that, though. Yeah, yeah he, you he, should he, hear this guy. You should hear Daryl. I think that guy was good. <laughs> he could just keep going and going and going, yelling at people. <laughs> Fuck, he's worse than my mom. Is that I said you're worse than my mom. When you start going, it's like, dude, we get it, but he'll <laughs> you're still gonna be there for another forty five minutes while this guy's just eloquently telling you and he's not as eloquent as i am but he goes to, to <laughs> great lengths to tell al, you no one's as eloquent as big al nobody al, here's the thing al will chew your ass and i mean up and down and tell you a story while he's doing it that's the yeah, one thing everybody about loves him. a good story now, i yeah, bet the story's funny never too. Like the you're one of his voice you want to laugh, but he's got a serious face on. <laughs> what was that? What was that you said, Chad? And never change the tone of his voice. Exactly. <clears throat> because you can be a fucking idiot, and I'm gonna tell you how you're gonna be a fucking idiot. Because this one time, I had this fucking idiot. And, and <laughs> the next thing you know, I mean, you're over in the corner crying, you know, holding yourself, trying to hold it together so the guys don't see you crying <laughs> when you leave his office. But see, that, and that's the thing too, Brian. With 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 the movie aspect from the civilian perspective, you guys only see it in the movies. And and when you look at it from a when you use Full Metal Jacket, that is that's a 
very good. That's every fucking day. I, I, that is a, I mean, exactly. That is a very good way to look at how some of us have to deal with things every day in the army. I mean, because it's, look, here's the deal. These little, these little bastards are, if you leave two of them in the room, a patented room with an anvil, you come back in 10 minutes, they will have broke the fucking anvil. I mean, so, so, I mean, you're, you're dealing with people who have been trying to figure out how to get over on something since they woke up, you know, at 17 and they are still trying to get over. And you're sitting there like, if, if you guys were half as good as you think you were, I mean, you know what I mean? It's like almost just like, dude, just start doing good. <laughs> it's just taking you so much effort to do the wrong thing, and it's just blowing up, wasting all of our time. Yeah, but, I mean, did you ever find maybe, you know, looking at it from their perspective, like were you ever kind of like that at some point? Or Oh, my God. You want to know who I was my first eight years in the Army? Every one of us were. I was, a leadership, I was a leadership challenge. <laughs> I, you know, you want to talk about Daryl's boot story. All right, so let me tell you this story. So we're, I'm in the 160th at, at the time, Spec Ops, and we just do what we do. Well, when I was at Drum, they issued me these these uh, cold weather boots, and they were uh, Danners, and and I wore these yep. things. And the thing about these boots is you 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 don't have to, you, you can't polish them. So I, that was my excuse to not polish boots. Even though I'm wearing these things and it's 150 degrees outside, I'm still not polishing boots. So here I am, and I'm I'm back here at Task Force, and and now I, you know, we're rolling in like year seven, year eight, and got a new first sergeant in, and he is just, I mean, livid. And we don't do army stuff over there, but the, today we're doing army stuff, and he's got everybody in formation, and he is going through, and this guy's he is ripping these he's ripping people to shreds i mean and like people are crying and and it's all over their boots and their appearance well here i am on the end with this this way out of regs mustache which you ain't gonna there's nothing you can do about that but then you know they're looking at my boots and and these boots ain't ain't had no black men on them <laughs> you know whatever you get what i'm saying i mean you can see mm -hmm. the cowhide on these damn things and and uh, so they're trying to figure out who's going to go down with me. You're like, so, oh, you're his squad leader. Oh, you're his, his team leader. And I'm like, fuck, I get it. I mean, I, I screwed up. So here I am. I'm sitting there, and I'm the last man because we're four squad. I'm the last man in the company. And after this, dude just shredded people. He comes, and he's standing in front of me, and he looks down at my feet, and he looks up at me, and he says, and what's your excuse? And I said, well, first art, boot so big, I ran out of kiwi. <laughs> and that's what does that mean? <laughs> what? Kiwi you is ran out of kiwi. <clears throat> kiwi is black boot polish. Oh, okay. Well, boot polish. My, case, my feet so big, I ran out of boot polish. Okay. Yeah, feet so big, ran out of kiwi, and he did exactly what Daryl did right there, and just walked off, and he said, "That guy." <laughs> Exactly. That's exactly what I would have done. And that's from my military career. I bet he was laughing at some point, though. I bet he was laughing at some point. The takeaway from that, Brian, is the bastard got away with it. Yeah. Just with his personality. That, that just makes sense to me. Cause, I mean, just no, because nobody else through. ever had an answer. Exactly. <laughs> well, well, first 
first off, nobody else would think to say something so out freaking landish as yeah. as as I ran out of key. Boot so big, I ran out of kiwi first sword. Nobody come up with that shit. That's Only Alfonso freaking Nixon would come up with that shit. <laughs> That's true. I I mean, people will tell you that he. I probably came up with that anyway. Damn. That's funny there. I mean, you were able to get away with stuff just because you were Big Al. <laughs> yeah. Was, I, officially known as Specialist Nixon or that Taterhead. Or, I'm, they had a lot of names <laughs> for me, man. But, but you still managed to be promoted and stuff like that. I mean, so so it seemed like you were still, still doing something right. <laughs> That's you, Al. <laughs> I'm just sitting there. I, I know yeah. what he wants. To, I know what he wants to say, but he he ain't gonna say it in this. Form. Won't y'all say it for him? I can't. No hell no. no you think no. you think getting the IGs involved? I damn sure ain't gonna say that. Well, oh, what do you mean? Mm. You talking Next. about my my Discord? Next. Yeah. Hey, oh. Brian. One one thing that, and I, I will I will still go back to the uh, the the civilian perspective um is you know i said it in my uh in in my uh, original podcast previously it's like <clears throat> people just don't the, the civilian side does not know what goes on in the world you've got you know they they've got they've got their blinders on and they don't they stop at the freaking borders of the united states and people don't realize and here's the thing <clears throat> excuse me the army is made up of a perfect slice of America. You've got guys that came from, they lived in their car when they were five years old till they were 12 before they went into foster care. The guys that, that, that just straight up blue collar to guys that their dads are millionaires. Every walk of life in the, in the, in the United States is in the military to include um, uh, uh, immigrants. Cause you know, they come in and they, they, that's the fastest way for them to get their green card. By God, hell yeah! You want to come freaking serve a country that you want to? Uh, did you want to get a green card in and actually do a great thing for us? Give that son of a green card if he does it honorably. Hell yes, I'm all for it. But what you don't, what people don't know is that that slice of America plays out every single day in the military, and people, the civilian sector, just don't know it. You know, the, the, those two guys on the other line over there, that they've lived it every single day. And trying to deal with how do I make this Joe understand I need him here at the right place, right time, right uniform. Just follow orders when you get there, Bubba. That's all I need you to do. That's what people don't know. <clears throat> the civilians, they, they've got blinders on and they just can't they can't fathom the shit that 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 we have to do every single day. I think I think I the I think what I'm going to say is I'm going to try to pitch into what Daryl's saying is because I witnessed this when I first started working in the civilian sector. And that was a huge transition for me was going from Fort Campbell, which is where I was at for, you know, dang 18 freaking years, right. To, to come into Huntsville and being a civilian, uh, in the military, it never ends when these guys go home. Uh, and Chad can tell you how many guys he he can't even count how many guys houses that we've been through, you know we we're because 
it's about what's in your car. It's about what's in your house. It's about what's in your closet. You know, if I go to somebody's house and I would tell my guys, you got to go see where your soldiers living and people will listen to this and be like, no, you ain't coming to my house. Yeah. You know, I'm going to do it without you knowing like, Hey, look, I'm right around the street, man. Got something to drop off for you and your family. Oh yeah. You want some free shit, right? So now I'm in the door and all I got to do is get in the door. If I'm in the door of anybody's house, standing right there within that two foot square, that's all I need to know about how you're living. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's just like opening your car door. So I would tell my guys, look, you you got one opportunity a month to go look at their, their you got to check their cars. You Don't just look at the brakes and the tires. Look at what's inside that thing, man, because if it's full of cheeseburgers and, and old french fries, then, then you, maybe you need to check this Joe out a little bit harder. Feel the onion back. Like he ain't yeah. right. <laughs> well, you know, and, and Chad just said it best. It's about peeling the onion back. It has layers. And, and because, look, there's nothing happens overnight. If somebody's going to do something, I guarantee you they started doing it months ago. And leadership is intersecting them before they make those bad choices and decisions that are irreversible and getting them back on the, the path of right. That's what leadership is. And then the, the other part of that is accountability. And the accountability piece is when you just say, well, yeah, I missed all of that. And that's why I'm a dumb butt. Because you can't miss that. You, you understand what I'm saying? Because if you miss it, then we're going to end up in a morgue or an emergency room. And it and, and who might be dead could be the kid. Who knows? That's what that's what leadership is. It's not called drafting. It's difficult. And nobody and and what Daryl's saying is the greater part of the people on the other side of the fence, they don't understand that. It, it, I gotta make sure these guys are complete and whole if I'm ever gonna be able to get them to get on a plane and go across country you know imagine if, if if you have to go get four guys right now to get in the back of a pickup truck to go across the dang tra railroad track and defend your sister's honor think about that and then and 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 having four guys that you know right now that are going to be either be in that truck or in the bed of that truck when you get to where you're going think about that that's a fact <clears throat> yeah that that's the thing too with with uh, like Al's talking about, you know, um, there's different styles of leadership in the military. Um, and uh, I used to tell my guys, you know, uh, you know, I ask, well, hey, what, what's my, what is my style of leadership? And they, they all run off the bat directive. You know, that that's my style. I'm a, I will tell you what you're going to do, when you're going to do it, how you're going to do it. And then I move out. I'm going. I'm good with it as long as you get it done right. I'm gonna come back and verify. And that's the problem: is that too many leaders out there in the military, they don't want to turn around and go back and verify. They think that I can just tell them what to do, and they will go do it, and that's it. But the problem is nobody verifies. It's always everybody knows. It's called trust but verify. Trust but verify. <laughs> Bingo. So problem is nobody wants to go back and verify. And if they do, they don't want to hold anybody's feet to the fire. That's, That's the problem. Piece. That right there is the part of leadership that a lot of people don't want to get involved in. I don't want to be the bad guy. Oh, uh, and, and so. Sounds like it could be based on laziness in a lot of ways, though, too. 
Well, lazy is as lazy does, but that's not it. We're gonna we're gonna monitor your pace as well as your step count. You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, if if you're in the army and you were sitting around not doing nothing, that means people weren't watching you closely enough. But and I lost my whole train of thought on that. Well, the the biggest thing that that you're looking at when you're talking when you're picking somebody for a job, okay? Al, you've we've all done it. You know, I need a platoon sergeant. But I don't want a platoon sergeant that's just going to stand there and hold the position. I want a platoon sergeant that's going to take charge. I don't care if you're, if you're liked or not. I'm not worried about that. Here's the thing. I used to tell my Joes, when I, whenever I go to a new duty station or new new assignment, whenever I walk in, I'm like, listen, guys, I got my orders right here. And I'm dead serious. It's exactly how I used to do it. I got my orders. I read them really good. Nowhere in my orders when it said go to Fort Campbell – and you're assigned to Bravo Company 563rd or anything like that, nowhere in my orders did it say, be everybody's friend, win popularity contests, get invited to all the cool parties. That's not what they wanted me to do when I came here. I'm not here to kiss your ass. Yeah, 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 I got you. Um, and that's the thing, that too many people are just wanting to get by, from point A to point B or from today to tomorrow with as least amount of controversy as they can possibly have to go through. But when you get the right guy in the right position, that right platoon sergeant, that right first sergeant, or that right sergeant major, or even that right squad leader, for that matter, even down to the team leader, you get those guys, you get the right people in the right position, those are the guys that are going to start making a difference because they're going to hold their Joe's feet to the fire. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, a big part of this is building the team. And I, I think that's that's what I want people to understand because when you go into this, you, you're trying to get – I mean, it's like combing a rough-coated animal. I mean, because that you got all – each one of these guys is rigid in their own way. And and you're trying to get them all to go not with the grain even, but with, with what the best for the company is. And, and like running a regular company, the difference is – People come, they work for you for eight hours, and they go home. Well, this, these guys gotta, they gotta, they gotta embrace it. They gotta to feel it. It almost has to be like, like they're part of a gang. Is what the way I always like to attribute it. And and I wanted my guys to understand that we had the veracity of the worst kind of gangs. Like people needed to know not to mess with the desperados or the bandits or wherever the hell I was at that time. You get it? I mean, they, I mean, am I wrong on that, high speed? Absolutely, whore. <clears throat> Nailed it. I was just fooling about. Well, I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't. <laughs> now, now, don't get me wrong, though. I will, I'm the hardest guy you will ever have to work for. And I used to tell my Joe's the same thing. But everything Al said about building the team, that was my intent. I want to build a team of people that are going to to do the right thing. Everybody says in the army, you do the right thing even when someone's not looking. That's the team I wanted. And those that were not that were not doing that, that's when those are the ones that I came down on the most. And and Brian, I don't know what what is your background on the civilian side. What do you do for a living, brother? Well, I mean, mostly doing I mean, broadcast. Mostly doing like uh, broadcasting for iRacing and things like that, and you know. Running to have some businesses I'm starting, you know, kind of things like that. You yeah, know, what, really what, more what and more you... to do. What did I do before I started doing yeah, all this you... stuff? I mean, I, I 
pretty much worked in a restaurant and waited tables. <laughs> there you go. But that, and that's exact. That's a good point right there. A great job to have because you still had to meet the requirements of the boss, right? Yeah, for sure. And you, you also got to see pretty much every walk of life in a lot of ways too. Just like you said with the army, is like like a microcosm of America. You know, I kind of got to see that too. Yeah. So it, 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 everybody's trying to build that team, and everybody has their different way of doing it. Now, Al, I love you, brother, but you're making it sound like you're the, you're you're uh, you're the sweetest guy out there. But I'm glad Chad. I'm glad that Chad said that he never changes tone when he chew your ass because Al chew ass. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. What, me? No, oh. bro, you got the wrong dude. <laughs> Yeah, I'm Mr. Funny Man. You gotta yeah. remember. You gotta remember that he said uh, just just a little bit ago. I think maybe might have been in the last uh, podcast. He said it that he has like 53 personalities. Which one you gonna get? <laughs> yeah. oh, they're all fighting. Yeah, I did say it in a minute. They're all fighting to come to top. He's not joking, and not a bit. <clears throat> yeah, he got he got kind of somber on that note. <laughs> I think it's almost like, you know, the, the takeaway is, you know, and, and these guys taught me that, um, you know, identifying the problem is easy, you know, but do you have the skill set to fix the problem in accordance with the governing authority of the institution? And in the, in the army, that was the regulation yep. and, and you either did or you didn't, um, you know, and, and I said in my podcast, and Daryl, I don't know if you heard it or not, but, I, you know, I pointed out the, the military, you know, a lot of folks, especially in modern, you know, the times we find ourselves in, you know, the military is not a social experiment. Bullshit. Bullshit. <laughs> Every day, the cultural mixing bowl of America, you know, yes. buys into the idea of freedom and supporting and defending the Constitution against all enemies. So help them God. Foreign you know, and what domestic. Is, what is that? I mean, you know. <laughs> Uh, Don't forget the foreign and domestic part. We also got to think the U.S., you know, the, the, the government has done some pretty bad things when it comes to, like, testing on people. Whoa, whoa, so I whoa, think whoa. it is a social whoa, experiment whoa. in a lot of ways. Yeah, I got you, but you I... Know, MK I'm Ultra, not, you look, guys definitely look, heard about that. No, look, here's what I'm going to say this. We can talk and we can joke about, and, and you can talk about my sister and my mama, but don't, don't talk about my couple <laughs> <laughs> no, I hear you, man. I hear you. I'm just saying, that, you know, there's plenty of proof out there. Look, I didn't, I didn't climb the dang hill or two to defend my government's honor. I know you're a conspiracy theorist too, <laughs> Big Al. <laughs> uh, and I don't know about that, but I'm just kind of, you know, you guys get what I'm saying though, because I love her. I love the old girl. I mean, oh yeah, I, we all love her. But I mean, you you could love the old girl, but she's got faults. Everybody's got faults, just like the U.S. government has. Everybody's got faults. Yeah, but you ain't gonna let nobody talk about your mom. Yeah, that's true. You're right about that. That's a good point. I, you know, good good way to look at it. Because I mean, you, like you said, you're married to maybe not your mama, but you're married to the you, you know you know the army. So it's like you know, any anytime you hear somebody talk bad about the army, it's like, don't you be talking about her like that? You know? No, no. The, the army can defend itself. I mean, that's their motto, right, guys? So we'll defend. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> It's it's funny you 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 say that and you compare being married. You know my wife. You know she hates she hated Al. Well, she, <laughs> still, that's kind of normal does. though with like your best friends. I mean that's kind of no normal man. Part. She no, wanted she, absolutely she no part of being a part of because you know it, by the time that you know I, 
a little bit of background on that story. You know, I'm at we're at Fort Irwin, California, in the middle of the desert. NTC, baby. And I was a I was a platoon sergeant in Bravo Company, in a flight company. You know, your A, Bs, and Cs were your flight company. Your Ds were your maintenance company. And then the support battalion, you know, Daryl had the Daryl had the intermediate capability. You know, depot level stuff uh, <clears throat> and repairs at his at, 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 at his hangar. And I guess, you know, Colonel Benson, you know, our battalion commander. Hey, uh, Hoss, what's up, sir? You go see First Sergeant Nixon. I'm like, oh, boy. Who did what? And I'm like, who did what? Yeah. And oh, I walk is- in. I walk in and, you know, sat down and, you know, he he nicked me. You know, well, well hey, uh, hey uh, just so you know, I've already cleared it through the colonel that you're going to be uh, main platoon sergeant when we get back. <laughs> did anybody think about running this shit by me? Hey, you know, it's, it's an opportunity. <laughs> Thinking that I got a vote, you know, so, but, well, you know, yeah, long story short, yeah, long story short, you know, I, you know, I, I took it, you know, that's what I say in my mind, but, you know, we, we get back, <laughs> we get yeah. back and I go over to Delta company and, uh, you know, of course, you know, you talk about building a team, so you got to have all your coordinators get on board, right? You got your coach and then, and now you got your coordinators, you know, the, 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 Tim Mahakos, Ray Lemuse, Tommy Benitez's, Chad Hostetter, you know, Virgil Davinis, uh, you know, let's not dig too deep in that, but, uh, oh, you know, things. that, uh, <laughs> hey guys, we're going to my house. And my wife's like, no, fuck, we ain't. <laughs> <laughs> you can go over there all you want, but I'm not going. I'm like, eh, but baby, you don't understand, you know, this. And I've been in the Army for, 12, 10, 11 years, you know, somewhere in there. And, and we've never really been a part of that, you know. We've never really really been involved with a with a family readiness group, you know, where kind of everybody got together and gossiped about everybody else is what I called it. But it was a deeper <laughs> meaning uh, that I eventually got to understand. But, uh, you know, hey, you know, we, we're going over to we're going over to first songs. <laughs> no, we ain't. Well, I mean, she had to, you would think she would have understood how important, you know, that you was like your family. It's like your family. Well, I spent a lot of time with my family. Amen. You didn't spend a lot of time with my family, if you know oh, what yeah, I'm saying. Oh, yeah, you're talking about your, your actual family, yeah. Right, you know, and it was, you know, I, I think the other gentleman on this line, you know, we, we live by, we live by a creed where everybody else came first, you know, and, and. You know, looking back, you know, transitioning and looking back, you know, I, I often, I often put my family second, you know, and, and, you know, damn, you know, you're, you're looking back like, man, well, if I could have done that different, you know? Yeah, yeah, but, but here's the thing though. And I, and I, and I totally understand what you're saying as well as appreciate it. But looking back, you know, you can't look back because we needed you. In order for us to do what we did, we had to be as involved as we were. If we were not as involved as we were, we might not even be here today. I mean, you, oh, you no agree? doubt, no doubt, absolutely. You had to be committed because there were people that, and, and not to not to go off on you know a tangent of mine, but there were people that weren't committed that were that caused 
angst and discord, uh, you know, and, and created uncertainty amongst us, you know, that were, <laughs> let me stop, but, uh, you know, the, you know, these guys were, you know, the, the Al used to say, you know, uh, you know, Hey man, what, what is so important you got to live for? And, you know, eventually you're like, yeah, what are you guys so excited about? You know, what, what's, what's the deal? And he, he talked about that, that aviation or the uh, ammunition supply point, you know, being on fire, you know, when we were kind of cutting up there on break, but man, you, you know, there's some, <clears throat> when, when, when you're, when your junior guys are looking around and they, they see the, <clears throat> they see your leaders running around nervous, scared, <laughs> uncertain you know unsure of themselves you know that creates uh that creates something anxiety probably for sure right i want to touch and, back on something we were just kind of talking about though uh you were saying that how you feel like you kind of wish you did it different when it came to your family of course you 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 know um uh, you know we've kind of in a previous episode talked about how much uh people the, the actual family members themselves sacrifice they have to be kind of committed to that Daryl, talk us about you. You didn't really have that issue, right? No, I didn't, and I, I was just sitting there thinking when Chad was talking about that. You know, that's that's my my biggest regret of everything because I made mistakes in the army. <clears throat> I made mistakes. Not me. I, I work to prove it. Um, please, please tell me you're recording. <laughs> <laughs> Not me. <laughs> I was about to prove my biggest, my biggest mistake that I ever made, and I to this day. Uh, it was I never had kids. I uh, I did. I married the army. I was so focused on being professional. Sorry, guys. Excuse me. That's that's mama. Um, I was so focused on being on being professional that I I I made it a point to not get involved with with, uh, with you know take advantages. So. From my perspective as a as a as a senior leader, when I, like Chad was talking about with the family readiness group, uh, we call it FRG, um, and that's the uh, the every commander <clears throat> is responsible to manage a FRG group uh, at their level, whether it's you know company or battalion or brigade or whatever. Each level has their own, even up to division, they have their own FRG group, <clears throat> family readiness group. Excuse me, and um. I'll, I'll never forget when I uh, when I, I one of my first ones I ever sat in on. Um, I went in there with the mentality of a first sergeant talking to Joe's, and um, and and having and oh, you know, oh wow yeah that ain't gonna work. Yeah no shit it didn't work well at all. Um, luckily my commander um, uh, jumped in. Wait, luckily your commander's commander was there. No, no, it was it was Captain Stock. Can you explain I mean, one that, second, though, uh, Joe's? Can you tell us what what that is? Because a civilian don't know what that is. Yeah, Joe, GI Joe. It's it, it's all of my Joes, all of my soldiers. Joes, soldiers are Joes. Gotcha. Uh, yep. So uh, you know, I'm I'm sitting up there and I'm I'm talking to the spouses. I'm like, kind of I knew I kind of had to tone it down a little bit. But I, I was talking to my spouse, the spouses, uh, kind of like I was di- talking to my Joes in a very direct way. Um, and, and I had to, I had to, I had to, but my commander, it was actually, it was Mike Richard. Um, he's the one who jumped in and, 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 and um, and, and kind of reeled me back in and, uh, um, 
calm down a couple of the wives that you could see they were getting ready to stand up. Um, but from my perspective, I had to learn how to deal with the family members. Um, because, you know, a wife can come in and tell me to kiss her ass if she wants, and I can't do a damn thing about it. Um, and uh, I had a few of them that felt like they probably wanted to, but well, could, there's things you could say, but, uh, yeah, but <clears throat> you know, to be professional, um, so, you know, from a, from a, a civilian, excuse me, from a, 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 a single person's perspective in the military, single soldier's perspective in the military, um, you know, I had to find the right way to deal with uh, all of my FRG members and uh, uh, the, the the wives, even the wives that didn't participate in it. Um, that's that's tough for a uh, for a single guy that's that, that lives in his office. Let's put it that way. I'm married to the army, but I'm not married to you. And, it, and there's quite a few times I was I had to I had to reel myself back in and, and learn how to deal with the FRG. And that's exactly what Chad was talking about as far as because me dealing with the FRG was me kind of dealing with his wife. Right, Chad? Yeah, man. Sorry, I had to shut some windows. Yeah, maybe that was her, your, your Chad's wife's perspective on it. Kind of well, like, you know. Well, no, that is exactly what was going on. She, I chose her to be my FRG leader. So, Chad, you want to speak on that? Well, you know, and just I kind of missed out on the last couple minutes there. I had to close some windows. It's starting to rain over here. Excuse me. But, you know, in in her eyes, you know, I left at 5 in the morning. And I got home, you know, 7, 6, 37, 38 o'clock at night. And then we're on the phone trying to figure out what happened or what was going to happen the next morning. You know, and react to everything that, you know, have a, have a contingency for everything that could go wrong overnight. Mm-hmm. That's crazy, <laughs> though. So you're sitting there like you get home at, you know, 6.30 or 7 o'clock after being there all day and having to wake up early in the morning. You probably only get like a few hours with your wife. And then you're still having to be on the phone about things like, you know, what's going on at work and, and still not kind of giving her the attention that she probably would like. You don't have to be. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, that, oh, that so that was just kind of like your you, you were kind even though it was your off time you were still using it. Well, that was my you know Daryl talked about leadership styles and then you know being a thousand of them that was my style because the the guy that was trying to mentor me and trying to get me to the next level was pouring everything he could into me for as long as I was there for him to 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 do that. And I think I'm starting you know, to pick it up now because that's why she didn't like Big Al. <laughs> you know, and it was like, are you, are you fucking kidding me? He's he's calling you right now. And he's then, home. And, let, stay home, baby. <laughs> and, and for for a long time, like I lived the closest. So, oh, you know, and, you love, dude. And in order for me to not, you know, have to go back out. You know, I would haul ass home and, and mix a stiff drink in the garage, <laughs> take my boots off, <clears throat> mix another one to take in the house, and swallow dinner. And then by the time I did that, you know, I was usually leaving work somewhere between, you know, exit 11 and and Saber Army Heliport. <laughs> hey. Yep. Hey, what's going on? Hey, first one, it's been a couple hours, you know, not, not really like 45 minutes. 
<laughs> and you already got you, two drinks. <laughs> you, you, you having a couple drinks? Hell yeah. Oh, man, shit. Let me call Ray. I'll call you right back. <laughs> Somebody else would have to go, you know, do whatever needed to be done. <laughs> that's, that, was your, that was a good way to get out of stuff, huh? <laughs> but that, Hell, you know, brother, that started for me a long time ago. I mean... But, but, but Al always made a Al always made a, a reference to the, you know, to the pig and the chicken. You know, you want to be committed, you want to be involved. I was committed. Bingo. Uh, I, I just never, you know, I, I didn't look the part. I didn't all the time act the part, so I never got to. I only AKA, got to play the part. AKA big baby. I only got to play the part. But the wise man once said, "You can do. You can deliver your message." To anybody in the military, as long as your hands are in the right spot, and, and, and that's how I operated. Whether it was him, uh, whether it was command, oh, <laughs> are you calling me the wise man? Whether it was whether like it was somebody else. Like, Big Al was like the he's like the the guru over here that everybody goes to. The Oracle. Bingo. Yeah, I uh, I tell you about the uh, the FRG, Brian. I had um. At a platoon sergeant when I was over there at uh, AVM, uh, with uh, the the company that sent the the all the heroes over to Al and Chad, um, <clears throat> I had a a platoon sergeant one time. It was a Friday night. Um, now this is me building the relationship with the FRG, and that his wife was part of the FRG, and um, I I told the platoon sergeant, "Hey, I need this information before COB." And uh, and this is a Friday night, and I'm I'm looking at my I'm looking at my email for the for the information I was that I said I needed, and um, sure enough, I look in there, I got it from everybody but one platoon sergeant, and I called platoon sergeant on the phone, and said, hey platoon sergeant, uh, I'm looking for such and such, and he said, oh hey first sergeant, I, I didn't have a chance to get that done, uh, I'll get it to you first thing Monday. I said no, you'll get it to me tonight because I need it now. And that's exactly when I told you I need it by COB. So you can go ahead and get it to me now. Uh, and he's whispering. And he says, uh, 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 First Sergeant, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here with my in-laws and my wife at, um, at the, the – it was a – what was the pizza joint downtown off of uh, – um, Black Horse. Black Horse. He was. He said, First Sergeant, I'm at Black Horse with my wife and my in-laws. They're in town. And I said, Hey, Platoon Sergeant, that's not my problem. Um, I told you I needed it, so – Go ahead and get it to me now. And uh, about 30 minutes later, his wife, because he'd been drinking, his wife pulled up in the parking lot with him. He jumped out of the car, and I looked at her, and let me tell you something. I didn't say a damn word because I was doing nothing but burning bridges. Because at some point, no matter how much you're trying to prove a point to the Joe, the wife does not care. And that's still something you... Unfortunately, you still got to take into account, but the bigger issue is, are you getting what you need for the job that you paid them to do? And that's where the wives don't understand that. Unfortunately, I did not win any, uh, any popularity no. with that spouse. Right. Because when guys go home you, and, and this is another thing we got, I mean, we're talking about a lot. We'll break this down into 10 segments, but and, and Brian, understand this because the dynamic, right? Think about the average bear, just the average guy who graduated in the middle of a high school class, who, you know, shoots in the middle of the of the scope, who 
performs in the middle of his peer group. Just the normal dude. Do you understand who I'm talking about? You got a mental mm-hmm. picture of just everybody's dad. Just that guy who's Average out there. Dude. Yeah. Well, he's caught up in the midst of this as well. And so here he is just simply trying to coexist. So he comes to work and he's got all of these alpha whatevers. He doesn't understand it. And they're rah, rah, rah. Then he goes home and he's got rah, rah, rah. And he's just trying to fit somewhere in the middle, man, and coexist. So, I mean, that, and, and sometimes that takes a, a, a totally bad turn at home. Sometimes the guys are at work and they get yelled at all day. And they go home and they take that out on their families. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was just kind of thinking, too. I mean, you know, being under a lot of pressure like that could cause some guys to break mentally. What was or, that you said, or, Chad? Or vice versa. And I've dealt with the vice you know, versa. And, and, and we've dealt with vice versa. That sticks out in my mind, man. That I, I tell that story. I don't mention the names, but I tell that story, and people are absolutely just blown away. Now, what tell does the, the Army do about that, though? Like, if, they, if, you, if you were, like you were talking about going checking out a home, like that, that actual Joe's home, you go to his house and see what's going on there. If you found that some, he was maybe hurting his kids or his wife, like what would be the thing that would be done about that? Well, you can't talk you know, about that on the air here. I know personally. We just, that's just that definitely what a civilian would want to know. That's for sure. Well, that's, well I'll tell you what, let me, let me, I'll say, let me. It to you. I'll say it to you because I can tell you the official, the, the official side would be, and uh, officially, yes, I can remove a soldier from his house by the commander saying you will be housed in the barracks for such and such period. And I will issue an MPO, military protective order, for your spouse in the event that that spouse is in danger or anybody that we feel is endangered by the soldier. The official, sp- that by regulation, specifically, don't ask me what it is. I don't remember what it is anymore. But uh, you can give a soldier an MPO to protect that spouse or whoever from that individual and put him under watch. Um, well, that's definitely, I think, sufficient. I mean, that's a pretty, you know, covers it, you know, protects that person if they feel like they've been victimized. Now, and that's the, that is the, that is the number one thing we can do at the, at our level at the command. That's the number one thing we can do. If we think someone's in a, is, is in uh in a harm, harm's way, from a soldier, we we can get control of the soldier. I can get control of Joe. I can't do a damn thing to the spouse. Um, that's something that the civilian the civilians got to do, uh, because I've had an issue where my soldier was being assaulted by his spouse, mm-hmm. and um, uh, and 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 she that's a different got version of it, yeah. You know, so yeah, oh, um, I had a lot of those, but it happens though. You know, that's uh, I think that's you know the the eye-opening piece. You know, we had a kid that was, I say kid, he was a soldier. Uh, sorry. But he's hes always late. Never had a car. You know, never always, but the kid was always on time. Uh, They're there. And, and man. They're out there. You know, like Daryl said earlier, you know, right time, right place, right uniform. General, generally positive attitude and a pair of work gloves got you through most days. That's uh, mm-hmm. But you know that, hey, man, what's what's really going on? You know, to, to peel those layers back. And the, the, onion, onion, master, about, yeah. the, the onion master is, uh, 
you know, when he said he was cerebral, that, that he, he's not joking. You know, uh, everything is a deliberate, well thought out. Yeah, uh, and I hate to give him, I hate to give him shout out, especially since you're recording, because he'll probably come back <laughs> and bite me in the ass. He gonna have, uh, he'll have that in, uh, you know, for eternity, and just be shoving that in your face. <laughs> but no, those no, both I these mean, dudes know is. exactly where I'm coming from when I when I say things like I'm saying right now. It, it's man that you know <laughs> that's heavy to deal with you know you got a guy getting his ass beat when he gets home because he had to work eight ten hours it, you know <laughs> look i had one guy and uh and and i knew that this guy was kind of getting bossed around by so late and without demasculinating him um <laughs> I bring him up. I bring him up to my to my office. And I see Chad's muted himself, probably to keep from laughing. But uh, so I bring this guy upstairs, and and I'm just having a conversation with him, and and it's a real conversation. And I'm like, you know what, man? Because I because I need him to be more assertive. And so I asked the guy. I said, so what what do you, what are you having for dinner tonight? And, and he was like, well, uh, first sergeant. Uh, and I'm like, you know what? I need a man that needs to be able to affect what he's having for dinner tonight. Can you be that guy? And he's looking at me like, what are you talking about? Pick up your damn phone, call your wife, tell her you want a steak and potatoes. And he's like, I can't do it. And I'm like, get your fucking wife on the phone, tell her you want a steak and potatoes. And he calls her and Chad, what happened? Come on, Chad. We're going to edit out the distance, but come on. He's muted. Sorry, I put myself back on mute. Well, <laughs> man, I, I, I don't remember, you know, kind of verbatim, but I don't think dude had steak that night. What? I'm I'm pretty sure he took an ass chewing when he got home, but. You don't think he didn't? Oh, so she chewed him out when he got home? If I recall correctly. She had steak, it sounds like. Because he called her and told her he wanted a steak, and I just assumed he had steak. Oh, he, well, like, well that, there on. you go. You, you should have, you uh, what was it? What was the thing you had just said? Go back verify. and check on it, verify We didn't yeah. follow up. <laughs> yeah. Well, he ended up, you know, he left me. Hmm. Yeah. Bless him. Hmm. He was so across yeah, he said, well, he said he, he believed he could fly. And I was like, okay, R. Kelly, we'll see where it gets you. <laughs> <laughs> now, that is hilarious. That's big out for you. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Yeah, but we get into story time. I mean, we got so many stories that kind of run into another, man. And it, it but Chad, oh, I, I love it. I want to go back to that one where we're talking about when the, when the, uh, the ASP catches on fire. Oh man, that was uh. How far away were we? Maybe maybe two hundred yards, hundred fifty yards. Yeah, what caught on fire now? That uh, the ammo supply point. That, that sounds very that, dangerous. If an ammo supply point is on fire, well, that, and and I believe the Jordanians were running that. They were guarding it. Where was this at? A little bit of background on it. This is that, a shank. 
That was a fob shank in Afghanistan, uh, probably circa 2009. Okay. Towards, oh, yeah. towards the end of 2009, because we left in November, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, but we were, uh, you know, kind of wrapping up, doing different things, and we had consolidated down to, you know, let other guys, uh, other units that were coming in, you know, kind of, kind of occupy their space so they didn't have to, you know, the, the goal was to get everybody in, have them move one time and then be where they were going to stay at least until we were gone. And, uh, I had been on the night shift. I, I had flown that night and got back, recovered my aircraft, you know, put it to bed. You know, when you're flying nights, you know, sometimes you get done early and sometimes you fly till the sun comes up. Yeah. I bet it's beautiful, though, to be flying up there and see the sun coming up. The most beautiful place I've ever seen in my life. Next oh, door. Yeah. With stand, yeah. But, uh, but no, man, I had got done early and uh, went by and checked on my dudes. You know, they're, they're turning stuff at nighttime. We did a couple things there or whatever. And I noticed the lights were on over in, you know, Commander First Arms area. So, you know, I go be bopping over there. And there's Al. So we and hang then out. There's Al. <laughs> we, we, we hang out, you know, like, hey man, let's go get some breakfast, you know. Yep. I went to the Waffle House though. What was for breakfast? No. Uh, well, whatever. Better than the Waffle House. Better than the Waffle House <laughs> most days. That's but, for uh, sure. Come on, man. That's my highlight right there. But we go in. Uh, we eat whatever. You know, everybody's waking up. You know, uh, and and. Dude, I'm like two minutes from going into La La Land, and all of a sudden, all hell breaks loose. Oh, no. What happened? There, there's explosions. There's slamming doors. There's people screaming. Mm. I mean, you know, Al's, the, what, two doors down? attention with a knife there, sounds like. <laughs> Al's two doors down, and we come and hit the door about the same time. Like, what the hell's going on? And, and I'm not kidding you, Brian. It was, it was like... It, it almost looks like, you know, one of those Three Stooge movies. <laughs> or like, because, you know, I mean, we, we covered how... Chickens with their heads massive, cut off, sounds like. We we covered how, you know, the statute of of, of Al Nixon, you know, 6'4", and there's, there's my little six-foot ass running around. And uh, so I kind of went kind of, you know, low, and we opened the door, and there's shit on fire. Oh no! <laughs> and I, you, you know, you talked about you talked about movie well, scenes I, earlier. I, this is kind of scaring us a little bit though, because we're around the campfire right now. Well, it 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 was similar to that, <laughs> but uh, the uh, I mean, there's shit burning. You know, the smell it, it it's awful, and people are running around like you said, chicken with their head cut off. And and you talk about movies, man. This was like a scene out of a movie because. You know, I think during my podcast, you know, we kind of talked about things slowing down. Well, everything was like in slow motion. And and yeah, I'll, let Al, I'll, in, right? I'll let Al, I'll let Al take it from there because I don't want to say something I'm not supposed to say. Was the adrenaline kick kind of kicking in on you? No, not for no, me because not at, that, all. At, at that point, you know, I'd been up and I was getting ready to lay my head down for a couple of hours, you know, to get some sleep. And, and like Daryl said, this rocket count. So... The same area that he was talking about, where was that zone? That's what 
that's what we had built. I mean, because this when I got there, I walked through pulling the fence every day to go out there to start building this area just so they could drop bombs on us. So, but this is different because this is an ASP that's on fire and it's coming from the talk from battalion and they're saying uh, the ASP is on fire and uh, they're telling us to evacuate like the first three rows of tents and I'm thinking I'm sitting there looking and I'm like well I got the first three rows of tents and and so I come back across radio and I'm like well that's a negative we're not we're not evacuating the first three rows of tents and and uh they said evacuate the first three rows of tents and I was like why because are the second (laughs) three rows fortified I mean (laughs) exactly what difference does it make if we're talking about rockets and freaking bullets that are cooking off in a in an ASP, and uh, certain people were like, "Get in, in!" There's no fire department in the desert, Brian. Do you understand that? Yeah, definitely you know, not. Yeah, I'll let you. That's probably where that's, that's probably where minute. one is needed most, though. Just considering in the desert, everything's dry and it's capable of catching on fire very easily. So I just want you to process the fact that we don't have a fire department. We don't even have a fire truck. Mm-hmm. You don't have any hoses or anything? The only thing that we had was for the aircraft themselves with the tri-maxes. Just like a uh, a small one or something. And we cannot use those for this. It was a big ass fire. (laughs) Yeah, bigger than you. Yeah, yeah. About that big or bigger. What did y'all do? How I went back to sleep. Oh, my. No, you didn't. Swear to God, we went back to bed. Wow. There's a fire going on, and you just go back to bed? Hey, 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 hey. What? What? That's on fire. And they're like, yeah, no shit. What are we going to do? I looked at Al. Al said, I'm going back to bed. I was like, (laughs) I'm not going back to bed with him, but, man, I ain't been long crawling in the sack, so... Well, ha, oh, ha, ha. And the whole time, shit's just cooking off in the back. And this like cat the, the, it's probably this the ammunition cat is, firing, right? This, this cat is dancing on the rocks. <laughs> I'm going that way. It's like, all right, man, be careful. <laughs> I mean, we, you know, I mean, if you think about it, and it sounds kind of like, yeah, you didn't go back to bed. Yeah, I sure did go back to bed. What are we going to do? Nobody can put this out. I mean, we know, nothing we got is is fortified, guys. I'm just being honest with you. You know, this isn't even a go to the bunker call because it just. I mean, we spend enough time in the dang bunkers as it is. So yeah, I went back to sleep. Well, tell me this. I know in like movies and stuff like that. Like if you put like a, a shell ammunition in a fire, it'll go off and shoot somewhere. Like you know, it, was that a concern? Like it could could have shot yeah, through the building and. Yeah, that's called a cook off. Yeah, and the stuff in the ASP was cooking off. It cooked off until it was done. It was a concern for some, but we were tired. Did anybody yeah. get killed? Nope. Nope. Wow. Not on, not on that issue. So I guess it go to bed to bed. How were you able to sleep with those? That, you know, just pow, pow, pow. Because at that point, Brian, we'd been there. I mean, we were. You were used I, to that thing. I was about ready to get out of there. So. Well, like Daryl said, you know, 219 days of, of living in Mortaritaville. The rocket sees it. The rocket you know, city. I mean, what what the hell is small arms fire going to do to you at that point? Exactly. <laughs> I remember I was walking back from lunch one day. 
and I'm headed back to my CP from the defect, and and I and I hear the yeah, I can't do it, the whistle, and I yes. like and I got and and it was, I mean when you hear the whistle, I mean you're done. I'd heard it before, and I'm like, and I just got so and it was nothing because it was a dud, man. But I got so pissed off. Uh, you know what I mean? Like you mother, mm, man, uh, you know, come, come see me, come and see me die. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. I've been, tell, tell me this though. Like, I mean, you, we, we talk about ammunition, just firing off and stuff like that. And, you know, chance of people getting shot. Like have, have any of you ever been actually shot? Maybe in like an appendage or anything like that? I don't know. Oh, no. That's lucky. I mean, I'm sure you've seen a lot of guys have to deal with that, though. We, yeah, well, yeah, we've yeah. all dealt with people. on aircraft with holes in them. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, yeah, I know uh, who, I think it was uh, you, Daryl, that was talking about watching guys that had almost their arms blown off. Like, how did you deal with that? Like, that, that had to be so scary in, like, dealing with something like that. A civilian probably has never encountered uh, having to watch as someone's getting worked on as their arms hanging off. Other than other than your EMS guys, you know, those guys are seeing it firsthand for for major accidents or something like that, or you know, these people car doing crash, shit. yeah, yeah, car crashes, people shooting up schools, doing stupid shit. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're you're obviously the first thing you do is react and, and try to help Joe out, get him get him wrapped up to put him in the back of a truck, haul him up to the damn hospital, and so he can get his arm repaired to throw him on a freaking helicopter and haul him back to <clears throat> to. Uh, um, and, and so he can fly back out to the States and hopefully save his arm at the next station. Um, no, it's, you just react. That's the biggest thing I could, that's the best thing I can tell you. I mean, the best way for like a, for me, a civilian to kind of even, you know, relate to that in any way is like seeing my <laughs> dad with lung cancer in the hospital and being in that weak form. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. We had, um, uh, you know, we had, uh, the, the same, we were talking about shank, uh, and then Rocket City, um, the the rotation before I got there, my same battalion was at the same exact um, was back at Shank. The rotation before that, so uh, uh, two years later, they're right back to the exact same um, same uh, tents that they're living in uh, before. Uh, and then, um, which right before they left, <clears throat> um, another rocket came in and hit right there, um, and, uh, and 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 and. Um, killed one of the first arcs uh in the pathfinder company and um and injured a whole bunch of others and my first sergeant that was a pathfinder first arc uh that dude was a hero he he took shrapnel and um a pretty serious injury but uh he uh, you know he had there's no doubt in my mind he had his own little uh ghosts in his own head but uh he overcame them and went back to the exact same uh, CP for his company that uh, he was in when the when the rocket hit and that killed his first sergeant at the time. Um, so you you deal with a lot of stuff, uh, but you just you uh, you basically you just go ahead and do what you got to do. Who wants to live forever? Yeah, tell me about it. Tell well, about it. I think uh, I feel like guys, we might have gotten to. A pretty good ending point, wouldn't you say? Yeah, absolutely. We got plenty to edit, so we can take this three hours and Daryl's uh, beforehand hour and a half, 
get it down to a, a good 15 minutes of content. I think that that's what we're looking for. Well, we appreciate everybody out there tuning in. What an excellent episode here, you know, kind of a continuation of uh, the last one with Daryl. I mean, we, we had so much fun out here. I mean, I, I hopefully we get around here to campfire and, and talk some more at some point because I think we've, we've even got some more stuff done back. You guys seem like you're definitely uh, infinite with the stories. <laughs> they are never ending. That's a fact. Daryl told you to get them drinking and you wouldn't shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I can coach. That's right. Well, hey, nothing wrong with it. Kind of loosens the lips a little bit, but I mean, it's definitely interesting talking to you guys. Hopefully, everybody enjoyed uh, what we've had so far. I mean, I, I tell you, we're going to keep it coming with with more and more content. We appreciate everybody tuning in. We'll see you next time.